What is self-acceptance in recovery? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Not much. Things are good. You're uh, you're coming to us from uh, the desert. We're coming from Arizona still. You and I both came down to. We had a, a really good friend of ours have a son get married down here in Arizona, and you happened to get home in time for Mother's Day dinner with mom, and I didn't because my plane doesn't fly out till today, which is Monday when we're when we're uh, filming this, recording this. That's fine. Hey, her favorite son was there, so she's happy. <laughs> that's that's all that really mattered. <laughs> yeah, she got to hug her favorite son. So you made the effort to get there. So good job, man. Like way to go, B. <laughs> uh, you, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> I've, I've worked extremely hard to overtake yeah, that. Man, you really have. It's been a lifelong battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We're just kidding. Um, anyways, uh, I hope you get home safe, Tyler travel safe today. And thanks, man. Yeah. You've been traveling a lot. So I'm, uh, it's good to see you enjoying life a little bit. So hey, I, I'm taking a page out of your book from a couple of years ago when you came to me and said, Hey, I'm really simplifying my life so that I can enjoy living it. Uh, you know, you came to me and I'm a total workaholic, so I'm still kind of a workaholic, but I am trying to let my hair down a little bit more. Yeah. It's weird because it's amazing and good and totally uncomfortable. Man, I should be stressed and working. <laughs> yeah, you know? it really is. It's it's a different adjustment for sure. That yeah. could be a whole episode in and of itself. It, it could. Um but before we get into that episode, we got an awesome guest with us today. So um I want to introduce him. Sure. Um he was with us before and Tyler, was there something you wanted to say? No, yeah, I was just going to say Adam, Adam is our caller today. He's He's been an old guest on the podcast, episode 170. For those of you listening, if you want to go back and listen, you'll actually, I think you're going to hear a difference in even where Adam's at today versus where he was then. We don't even know where we're going to fully go yet in this episode, but all, Adam also came to the Rising Sun Retreat. So we really got to know him on a personal level, got a heart of gold and really, really grateful that uh, Adam, you're willing to come back on and ask your question with us today. I am uh, extremely excited to be back with you and honored as always. Um, well, awesome, Adam. If you could just let's dive into it. So, if you could just kind of tell us some of the things you, you you've been learning or some of the things you've been struggling with since the last time we talked. Yeah. So, uh, quite a few things have have um, transpired since since we last talked and even since, you know, the retreat in September, um, which, uh, you know, to put a plug in for you all, you know, that retreat was amazing and, and exactly what I needed to kind of kickstart, uh, what I, you know, what we had discovered in our last discussion was my connection with God. Um, so, you know, really was able to kickstart that relationship with him again there. Um, being able to just turn myself really fully over to him. And, uh, you know, one is just having some 
personal time, but also the connection that I was able to make with those, with all the other men. You know, the thing that I learned <clears throat> from, from that retreat was that God was going to love me through these other men. Um, and that has, that has been true since that time. So I have uh, been able to stay connected to uh, most everyone uh, from the retreat. You know, we uh, talk to, to many of them on a daily basis. And it was interesting this this uh, last week, um, things were were pretty difficult for me. It, it actually kind of got a, a little kickstart, a little smack in the head from God that said, why are you ignoring the men that, that I put in your life? Um, so that was kind of uh, even a reminder. I, I would still find myself kind of giving back, giving into the shame of, you know, working through this recovery process. Um, and God reminding me about how he was going to love me through the process. So that was the biggest thing that I, that I learned was, you know, how he was going to guide and, and, and love me through this process, which has come to be true. So that's really helped uh, me in getting into recovery, knowing that God is going to love me through the process, uh, regardless of, you know, how clean or messy the situation is. Um, but since, um, that, uh, since the retreat also, um, my, uh, my wife and I have been through quite a bit. Um, I, uh, we've been through, you know, separation, um, uh, a couple different times, actually. Um. And then it uh, right now has led to most likely uh, headed to divorce. Mm. Mm. Sorry. It's it's okay, Adam. Um, So that that's that's where we're at from a relationship standpoint. Um, the uh, the the other piece is you know uh, in February my father passed away. <clears throat> so I've also been you know kind of dealing and processing that and more of trying to be in a supportive role for, for my mother. She, um, you know, goes through the grieving period and and things like that, you know, just trying to be there and understand, you know, and have obviously a lot of understanding for what she's going through. So that that's kind of where we're at, you know, from a, from a divorce standpoint, it just, it, 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 essentially got to a place where it felt like that I'm, I'm really the only one, you know, working on the recovery and that the expectation, uh, that that was the expectation that, you know, it could be fixed if essentially I fix myself. So, which, you know, I take accountability for, for that. Um, 
I know that there are lots of things that I need to change. And so throughout this process, you know, since our last episode, it has been a lot of um, trying to deal with uh, shame, um, trying um, <clears throat> trying to really um, rediscover or the, the parts of me that I thought weren't good but really are good about myself. Um, and I don't need to throw them out in this process. Um, I just need to have the right intent. Uh, and so it's been, it's been an up and down battle for me right now with, you know, shame resiliency, you know, in this process of, you know, as, as I had to continue to head through the recovery process, how to main, how to continue to maintain the shame resiliency and put, you know, the priority over recovering myself and being okay that, you know, I am a person that does like to do things for people that, um, you know, I like to, to serve those around me and, and do nice things. And, you know, I, I recognize that before I was using those as validation for myself to, to feel good. And now I realize that that's still a good part of me, but uh, I do it because I choose to do it. And that's what I want. Mm. Um, not because I need somebody to, you know, pat me on the back or tell me that I'm, I'm an amazing person or that I'm being seen as, uh, you know, doing all the right things or recovering in the right way. You know, that has been another thing that, you know, I've had to kind of work through in this process of recovery is being okay with the way that, that I'm going about doing it. Um, and, you know, you guys did an episode last week uh, about triggers and relapse that was very helpful, you know, in, you know, surfing the emotions and finding that community, which, you know, I, I really feel like I'm doing a much better job with that than I was before. The, uh, the piece that, that I'm trying to discover now is what, I, what am I passionate about? What do I want to, you know, become really good at in that, in, in the whole discussion. But you know, for me, just still want to figure out the best ways to continue to be, because shame does pop up quite a bit for me. That's a big still. Um, uh, and sitting with that and being okay that, um, and, and not saying that I'm a bad person or that, you know, but more of I'm just working the process. And in that process, mistakes are going to be made. And you know, some are going to be good, some are going to be bad, but it's a learning process. And, you know, having that, as you guys point out, the growth mindset uh, in this process. So, but, you, you know, when you go through the, the divorce portion of it, that uh, the shame creeps up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Adam, it... Uh... It's, it's, I just want to point this out before we continue our conversation that it's interesting to be talking to you where there could be two sides of a coin that are both so like shining so bright right now. One is, is that the commitment you have towards your own recovery, where you're putting yourself in the realm of developing relationships with those brothers that you found at the retreat and in your other community, like recovery community stuff, where you're finding some some level of peace and understanding that you don't have total control over the outcomes of things like your marriage or, or other things, especially thinking about it from the last episode where you were in such a deep, dark place. Like you can hear that there's, 
definitely like a connection to God. There's hope. There's movement forward. There is growth mindset. At the same time, you've been through it. It's not like it's not like that shift happened in you and you found God's love and all of a sudden you're like having this blissful life. You're still in the thick of some really difficult, hard things. And it's crazy how both of those things can coexist at the same time where you are still wrestling and having a hard time and trying to manage the shame at the same time that you have found a new level of recovery and you're grounded in a different way than you've ever been before. And you, your description here is actually a really good illustration, I think, to our listeners of what it's like to be in the messy middle of things where your heart's committed and things still are hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, that has been the biggest, you know, piece for me, you know, because we, you, you you tend to think that when you commit yourself to God fully, right, um, as I feel, you know, I have uh, and, and really made him a priority back in my life and how I relate to him as loving me no matter where I'm at. Um, it, uh, but, but still seeing that things just aren't necessarily going the way that I would want them to go. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to be, um, where I'm at, but, you know, it, it has been good for me to, to really understand that, uh, this is part of the process. Um, and, um, you know, I even while we were sitting here, one of my shames throughout my whole life is um, that I'm a, I'm emotional. I'm a very sensitive and emotional. Person and uh, it. It, it comes from, I know where it comes from. I was, uh, when I was a child, was in school um, and I had a, I'd gone out for one of the class, um, you know, the secretary or something for our elementary school. And I got up there in front of the whole school and I was so afraid I cried <laughs> in front of the whole school. So I defined for myself at that moment that being emotional was a very bad thing for me, mm. right? Um, yeah. and, and stepping into that now, I'm extremely emotional even now because that's just who I am. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. yeah. I, it just means that I'm a, I have a tender heart, which is okay. It's not just okay. It's awesome. It's who God created you to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to back up Adam and, and, and kind of reiterate what Tyler said a little bit. Um, can you be in great pain and in solid recovery at the same time? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's what... Mostly where I feel like I have been is in pain, but still in recovery, still committed to recovery. I would say that when somebody really chooses recovery, 
in many ways, they choose to sit in pain. <laughs> that sounds really backwards. Um, but, you know, instead of numbing it out, Adam, you're feeling, you're having emotions. Um, what I feel from you is pain. I feel pain about your father's death. I feel pain about your divorce. Um, and you being in that pain doesn't mean that you're not right where you're supposed to be. Um, and, and doesn't mean that you're doing something bad or that your recovery is not working itself out or anything like that. Like it, everything Tyler said is true that where you can absolutely be in pain and be in recovery. And me and my wife, we did a really hard workout last week and then we Wim Hof right after that. And so it was like all day long of choosing pain. And I was like, isn't it funny, honey? Like how this is good for us. Like we, we're supposed to just feel pain all the time. And there's, there's purpose to this pain. We don't know what it is, but there's purpose to it. And if we allow ourselves to feel it. And when you talk about being emotional, what you're saying is, you know what, instead of trying not to feel things, instead of trying to hide my emotions, I'm choosing to feel them and, and think that it's awesome that I allow myself to feel these things. And I just want to back you up on that because that is awesome. And allow yourself to feel these things. Allow yourself to go through this grief, Adam, because it's good. It's good. This is all okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and as part of feeling, allowing myself to feel intense emotions that I typically hide or would cover up through acting out, um, I'm I'm still feeling emotions to agree that I don't think I'm necessarily have been prepared for. And so throughout the process, there has been, you know, uh, relapses here and there, but that having grace for myself at that point to say, you know, I'm allowing myself to do things that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. I never committed myself to doing. So, you know, I understand that the relapse is going to be a part of that. But as I step out of those moments, you know, the, the pain of experiencing those emotions and then, you know, go maybe having a relapse, but stepping back and just saying, I understand where, where that happened. That was an intense emotion and I'm okay with it. Right. I am then become better prepared as that emotion then comes up again to deal with it. Correct. And then I don't have the relapse because of that emotion. Um, so it's a, the pain creates that resiliency within yourself for the next time it comes up. Whereas, you know, when you're in your addiction, you just, you're never prepared for the emotion. It hits you every time and you run away and avoid it. Numb it out. That's right. Um, and uh, so, you know, through through this experience of recovery, that has probably been the most enlightening and, and rewarding portion of it is knowing that I'm feeling and going through experiences that are super intense and, and continue to be there. Um, but as I go through them, I'm more resilient towards those emotions than I ever was before, you know, just because I'm allowing not only uh, for myself to feel them, but I'm allowing myself to be vulnerable to a group of men who I know I can go to at any moment and be totally authentic with and vulnerable and tell them exactly where I'm at, which also is another piece of what I didn't have before in trying to, you know, overcome or at that time, just get into sobriety, I would say, is where I was trying to get rather than be in recovery. 
there's there's another point to this ability to lean into the pain too that I think is important to illustrate here. Adam, as, as difficult as it is, being willing to look at, to be curious with, to lean into the pain that you're going through, whether it's with your divorce or whether it's this memory of being as a child crying on stage in front of the school or you know whatever else is confronting you, even some of the stuff that maybe you're still making peace with from the last episode we talked about, um, is that the, the willingness to lean into that with curiosity also moves you to a place that's more in line with reality of your situation where, and I'll give you an example of this where let's say, and I don't know, I, I haven't talked to your wife, but gathering from what you're saying, you're coming to realize that, that you can do all of your recovery work. And at a certain point, you may not still be able to save your marriage on your own, right? That's going to have to be done with God. And also with your wife's work and desire, if that's the desire, the way she wants to go. Right. But working towards that reality and realizing, you know what, I might not save my marriage. Like, in fact, I don't have control to fully save my marriage. You've come to the reality now, even though it's painful, that you're, you've maybe been taking some things on on yourself that actually were beyond your control and have, were causing you suffering as a result, right? Or this example of, and I love where you're going with this because this is going to get into the shame resiliency stuff we need to talk about a little bit more. But when you're talking about going back to that memory of being on stage as a child and going like, oh, I know that feeling like, oh, that sucked. And I, I vowed never to be emotional or that that was a weakness. And now you're looking at it from that perspective with curiosity and compassion. Now, the truth is, the reality is, is that there's a guy that looks in the mirror and goes, I can like that part of me. Like, I like that I'm emotional. I like, what What can I do with that? That's a gift to me. You would never be able to do that without leaning into those painful places with curiosity. Now you're getting into reality. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes perfect sense. Because as you were talking about um, stepping into and accepting that part of me that is a good part, or, uh, I mean, I, I had told myself that I wasn't a good part of me for such a long time, but now I look at it and, and realize that because I am tender and emotional in that way, it does allow me to get to a place of, of patience, understanding, empathy, and kindness, you know, for myself, but also for, for the people around me. Right. And, and specifically just the thoughts that I have for, you know, my wife, um, and my kids in this process. It's, uh, it, it just allows me to, instead of run and be, feel shame for where we're at, to feel love for them um and and that be, you know and that comes from because of tender and my emotions um and so that's how, that's how i look at it is i can be more patient and not allow myself to get frustrated or uh you know hurt as much from the from the situation understanding that you know i'm not the only one going through it and i can have 
empathy that they're in pain too, but also to just try to love them the best I can right now. Um, mm -hmm. Knowing that it's still pretty messy. Yeah. I think Tyler brings up a good point in, in that, you know, you can't, you can't fix everything. And I think a lot of this feeling that you're having now is um, facing reality. So feeling pain, feeling emotions, realizing that you can't take away your children's pain. You can't fix things for your wife. Um, it just is the, the things that you've rejected in the past, Adam, like being an emotional guy and, and just, just things like that are actually the assets that are going to get you through this pain. And before what you try to do is shut that down, act a certain way, be a certain way in order to be lovable. And you are in self-preservation mode and manipulation mode in order to manipulate somebody to love you. And now you're realizing, you know what? I'm going to sit in reality. I am lovable. Uh, my wife's in pain. My children are in pain. I'm in pain. And I'm going to use me the way God made me in order to process these things and be there for the people that I love and be there for myself. So much healthier, yet in many ways uh, can be more painful. Right. Brandon, look at the, what you're describing, though, because I think it does need to be pointed out, like how beautiful it is in some ways when we talk about shame management and shame resilience. Is Adam, that's kind of what you're what you're talking about, that in the past, rejecting all of those parts of yourself would have led you into your shame, which would have taken you out of the ability to see your kids, to see your wife, because you would have been in such self-preservation mode. And now you're asking the question, how do I be? Become more shame resilient. And in reality, some of what you're already doing is shame resilient because it's allowing you to accept those parts of yourself, which then you described it, allow you to see your children, allow you to see your wife, to love your wife, even as she's choosing to maybe go through a divorce with you. Like, but the only way you can get there is if you are living in a shame resilient place where you're accepting all of those parts of yourselves, maybe even the parts you don't like. Uh, but accepting that those are part of what your job, your work is and who you are and, and then accepting the things you do want to like. And it allows you to then be connected with other people as a result of the shame resiliency on the inside. Right. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask you, Adam, like you, you, you listed off a couple of things and I, I'm just wondering, like, as you're kind of on this journey yourself, you, you mentioned being an emotional guy. You mentioned being kind of a kind guy and you in the recovery that thought that that meant you were codependent or that you liked to serve people and maybe it was the, done for the wrong reasons but what are some of the other things that you're re, being reminded of about yourself or uncovering about yourself that you thought were negative things that you're now considering wanting to keep or nurture uh you know something that that i have kind of gotten away with from anyway has been that you know i um you know i'm i'm a i'm a teacher at heart meaning i can i look at it as a person who can listen and hear what people are saying but but then also uh can step into teaching guiding giving my perspective right i had gotten 
especially over this last five years to a place where I felt like nothing I had to none, no knowledge that I've had that I have was important to anyone else. Right. That what I had to say or what I had to learn or what I've learned up to this point um, had no value. Right. And so I would step away from having an opinion or being clear about, you know, where my stance was on a certain topic or a certain perspective, you know, because I feel like if I was truthful about how I felt about something that it may upset somebody, right. That I have that perspective. And so for all, for, for the, probably the last five years or so, I stepped away from being that type of a person. Um, and, um, you know, because previous to that, you know, things like I was a college as a seminary teacher when we lived in El Paso and did that for four years, which I loved so much, um, connecting with those kids and bringing value to them. And I had I've just totally gotten away from believing that because I had become who I'd become after my son's death. Um, and because of the choices that I was making, right. I told myself I had no more value. Mm. Mm. And so the recovery is that person. I love to teach. I love to connect with people on that way and feel like I have a great, you know, life story, uh, as well as, perspective to offer people that can offer understanding and perspective to them, um, you know, and can show them love and, and, you know, support. Um, so that was, that was another piece of myself that I've let go, uh, and, and just believe that, uh, you know, I had no more, no more value to add there. Hmm. You meant, you mentioned earlier that, uh, in the episode that you're trying to find your passion and just watching your body language and hearing you talk, I got this image in my mind of Simba after his dad dies in the Lion King and he gets told the lies and he runs off into the wilderness and basically in essence puts his candle under a bushel and hides it for a while before he's finally called back into the, who his true identity is and to go back to pride rock and be the one true king so to speak and in a certain sense adam i feel like i'm witnessing that right now as you're speaking this that you know you let your shame take you out of out of a piece of you who god designed you to be and might and that the might scratch that itch of that passion because of who you are in god's eyes and maybe maybe part of the direction that that you have in front of you is to figure out maybe you're not going to go be a seminary teacher again or something but just because of what happened in your life and the decisions you made, it didn't take away the fact that that's who you are in God's eyes. And you might need to be putting yourself back into the arena of developing or finding opportunities to, to be a teacher, whether that's in formal or informal ways. And to get that passion going again and to get that identity, you know, piece of you being kind of nurtured again. Well, this has been a, for, for me, an interesting just a way to see how God has stepped into my life to teach me that again, again, through the community of men that, that uh, have surrounded 
you know, me and that we've surrounded our, ourselves with since that retreat. You know, I have split off and created and been a part and I'm a part of other groups as well. You know, one that's specifically focused on um, the John Eldridge book, Wild at Heart. We've split off and started a group just based on that. Right. And, you know, uh, and then the group from the retreat. So what God has told me is, and what I see as I interact with these men and, you know, talk about my learning experience and give, give my perspective and thoughts and guidance and all that type of stuff. This is where God had said through men, through other men, you will feel my love. And I'm also saying, he's saying you have value in being, you know, a teacher, what you have and what you've learned has value and can help other people. And I've seen that through, uh, you know, the, the groups that I'm involved in, um, one that they love me and two that I can bring value to, to them. Um, you know, in, in, in their lives. So it's been, it's been a very, you know, wonderful and beautiful thing to, to see happen over the last uh, six months or so. So if you think about the flip side of this shame lie that, that tells you to shut it down and don't be a teacher or don't put yourself out there, you're not worthy to the, the flip side of this lie is that in order for me to, to be a teacher, to lead people, to help people, I need to be perfect. And so when I'm perfect, then I'll show up. And who wants to listen to the perfect guy? <laughs> who, who wants to listen to the guy with life experience, who's been in the trenches, who have, has get, gotten to know God in the, in the hard stuff? Like that, that's real, that you can connect to that versus that guy who's, who's played it so safe in his life and never had any life experience. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, Satan has told you to shut it down because you're unworthy. And maybe all these experiences is God's way of calling you up and calling you out, which is a very different way to look at this, right, Adam? Yeah, well, one of the one of the things more of calling me up, you know, the the last episode of The Chosen with Peter, you know, and walking on the water and all that type of stuff. When I watched that, it, you know, at that moment, God told me, I'm not pulling you out of the water, but I'm pulling you out of the shadows, right? You've hid yourself in the shadows for so long, mm-hmm. right? Hiding and, and, and believing that just because you're in the midst of something terrible or making bad choices that you're just going to stay hidden. You know, what I realized from that is God is reaching, reached right into the shadows and pulled me right out. Yep. Um, and says, no matter where you're at, you have value and things that, you, you know, to offer people and to offer yourself. Right. And that has been the biggest thing in the shame portion of my life, because that's what I've told myself. Well, I'm not doing everything right. So I have no value. Right. I've, I've just got to stay quiet and stay, you know, don't make a lot of noise. Don't say my opinion because I might be exposed for being a fraud as I'm in the middle of, you know, this or acting out this way or in the midst of my addiction or whatever. And it's been, it's been a way for, you know, the adversary to keep me at bay. And what I'm learning now is I can be at any point in my life and I can 
bring value and understanding and perspective. And I, I mean, I was looking forward to our call today because I, it's still really messy. And I want people to know that you can, you can still believe in yourself and it's still be messy, messy as hell. I mean, mm-hmm. not just, oh, this is really hard. You know, my, my, my wife's mad at me today. You know, this is, this is really hard. She doesn't want anything to do with me. So. Yeah. yeah I went, I oh, go ahead, Tyler. You go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was just going to say, I went to, I went to Jim Gaff again uh, a couple of years ago and he, he's interesting Adam because one of his jokes was this, this was his whole joke. Uh, um, I don't tuck my shirt in because I'm fat. <laughs> that was his joke. And the, the crowd like goes wild, like laughing at him. Right. And it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm watching him and he's pretty self-deprecating and he, and you know, he uses that for humor and stuff. But one thing about him is people enjoy listening to him because they can connect to him because he's real about real life, about things. Um, and it's, you know, is that real vulnerability and authenticity? It's, it, you know, it's a thing that he's putting on. But the point that I'm trying to make here, Adam, is through our blemish and through our struggles is where people can really connect and see us. And that's an opportunity, like your experience with these men, the reason why you're having such a good experience with them is because you get real with each other. Mm-hmm. You get real about your struggles. You're not showing up perfect. Um, that's why you're connecting to them. Um, and, and I think you're learning that lesson. It seems like you're really grasping it, right? Yes. More than, than I thought I would. Right. And I, I grew up in a family of eight boys. Right. And uh, so you would think, you know, eight boys, you know, we can connect. I've spent a lot of time not really reaching out and connecting you know, with my own brothers. Um, we could get together at any moment, be totally cool with each other. We probably, you know, we could not talk for two years and get back together and everything would be great. So we're not ever mad at each other. But you know, that is another portion of myself that I've stepped into is really reaching out and trying to even connect with my own brothers because that's what I desire. And I know how wonderful of an experience it is um, to, to rely on brothers, your family, other men, you know, for support. Um, It's it's such a, a lie that society tells us a little bit that we can't, love men in in a way that is intimate and personal you know we've got to love men tough and you know we go and i don't know climb a mountain together and that's amazing which is awesome and you do connect but it's even more powerful when you're sharing intimate vulnerabilities with other men and they just tell you that they that they just love you Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam, I uh, I want to maybe just kind of get to your question a little bit from the very beginning, and I want to point out a few things because your question was in essence, how do I 
in essence, how do I kind of accept the reality of who I am and including the things that I thought were bad, but now I'm realizing we're very good. And I want to point out first what I think you're doing right already. And then maybe one or two things that might be additional things that could help you. Okay. Um, it's beautiful what you just said. I want to start there. It's one thing to go to say a, an essay meeting or a 12 step meeting and sit and take your turn for three minutes in your circle every week and then leave and go home. It's a totally different thing to call up your group of men who you've cultivated a relationship with, who will love you through the thick and thin of it all, who will celebrate with you on your victories and will be there as a landing spot on your, on your weaknesses or your failures or your struggles. It takes work to develop that, but you've got that going for you right now. And you've accepted that. So that's one. Two, you've accepted your heart has finally shifted and opened to the fact that God wants to love you. And you're finding evidence of God's love for you in all of the ways that you're living. And that's allowing you to take a look at these things that you thought were weaknesses with curiosity. So you've got your team of men, you've got the love of God, you've got curiosity. You're meeting those parts of you with what it sounds like some compassion when you find those parts that have been hurt or wounded. And that's allowing you to then become more accepting of those parts of you, at least the parts you want to still hold on to. And also go to work on the parts that you still want to chip away at with a growth mindset, right? So, so you're doing a lot of what we would call shame resilient things already. Like that's kind of what's already on the table there. Does that sound about right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so then what are the next steps to what you're already on? You're already on the right journey now. It sounds like you've got the right forward mindset. You're trying to stay growth minded. You're still hitting these bumps where, you know, your divorce probably knocks you off your feet and puts you into shame. Sometimes yeah. a lot of these other things probably put you into shame. Sometimes what would be the next couple of steps to add to what you're already doing that would increase the self-acceptance and shame resiliency? Um. You know, I want these these uh, changes that I've made now to lead into not only strong recovery, but, you know, sustained sobriety, right? So uh, I don't want to continue to be knocked off because there's a really hard, hard emotion that I haven't anticipated or a scenario that I haven't anticipated. I don't want it to knock me off the sobriety portion of what I'm trying to do uh, as well. You know, re recovery, my, you know, my community believing that God loves me in any circumstance has been an important piece, but I still find myself getting, you know, knocked off the side, the sobriety <laughs> wagon, I guess you want to say, because I've, you know, being faced with a, an intense emotion or situation that I'm not prepared for. Yeah. Okay. So that's so, that's probably the next biggest step for me. You know, I want to be able to look back and be able to say, you know, I have a year of sobriety as well as great recovery. Yeah. Okay, good. So, and, but you identified this, that sobriety won't necessarily come through white knuckling, even though sometimes that's the case. But what you're identifying is, is that in addition to what you're doing already, which is all really good stuff, and well, actually, I think long term, it's going to help your sobriety no matter what. You may be also be looking specifically at some 
there's a couple of thoughts I'm having. One is some specific kinds of emotion regulation skills that still need to be developed until they become habitual. Stuff like the ones you referenced from the episode you just listened to, the ride the wave skill, phone calls. There's a whole bunch of other things too, but like learning how to trust yourself, become more aware of your own emotions. Even though there's certain things you haven't experienced yet, we can boil emotions down to just a few core emotions. And if I learn how to be intimate with each of those emotions, and trust myself that I can manage those emotions. It doesn't matter what the what the conditions are that bring them on anymore. I can still use the same skills to manage those emotions. And so some core emotion regulation skills that would be a one place to put some of your time and energy into in addition to the stuff you're already doing that are becoming more and more habits. The other thing that I think, and I, you started to identify this earlier, that will help in the long term with this, even though it won't seem to have a direct link, is to take those pieces of yourself that you're now finding, that teacher in you, the emotional guy in you, the service-oriented guy in you, and to start stepping yourself even a little bit further off the edge of the cliff into those arenas and cultivating that part of you. Because the more, I, I believe this, Brandon, you can correct me if you, if you feel differently, but I believe that the more you step more fully authentically into the true identity of who God says you are, the less need you'll have, even with rough emotions, to go check out. And so the more you cultivate those parts of you that you're finding and you nurture them and you take action on them, number one, it takes time away from time to act out. But more importantly, it nurtures the identity inside of you, Adam, that that is right there that just needs to be strengthened. And and to to, to kind of follow up on what you're saying, like yesterday, hard day, right? Mother's Day. Um, did things, you know, I stepped in and gave my wife, you know, Mother's Day gift and, you know, told her, but there was no, I mean, in my mind, it hoped that, you know, hey, come over, let's spend, you know, time together, but that didn't happen. So yesterday I left my apartment so that I could just go out and look for opportunities to like, connect with people and serve people, you know, whether that was take a few bucks out of my wallet and give it to the guy asking for money on, you know, on the side of the road. Right. And then, you know, I found myself just kind of in a, in a situation to reflect after that sitting in front of the temple, you know? So, uh, you know, I understand the, the importance of stepping into those things more often, you know, whereas, you know, I think before just sitting around in, giving into the to kind of the depressed feelings yesterday would have been really no good for me and probably would have eventually, you know, ended up in relapse. But as you said, stepping into those things, even the smallest, like just because I gave a guy a couple bucks, you know, people may say, well, that's no big deal. But it was me, like you said, stepping into that portion of myself that God has told me is good, which is I like to serve people. Right? Yeah. I, I have a, a, you know, I have a very charitable heart um, and, and to be okay offering that up however I can. Um, you know, sometimes that's with phone calls, um, reaching out to, to my group on Marco Polo or going out and serving people, you know, directly. So you're right. Um, one of the other thoughts that came to me is I think setting bottom lines, I haven't necessarily done it officially I think maybe uh, an, uh, another piece of all of this 
that would keep me from, you know, the, the relapse portion of it. So, you know, I think that's an important part to help, at least I think to help the shame not overtake me. Absolutely. I think, I think Adam, we're running out of time, but just to kind of wrap this a little bit, um, I would say in a lot of ways, stay the course. You're doing a lot of good, deep recovery work stuff. Um, with the wild at heart work you're doing with the connecting to the guys, discovering who you are, um, self-acceptance, um, where I would focus is two things. Um, I would focus on fully grieving the loss of your addiction and like there might be a part of you that's hanging on to it a little bit and that's Mm -hmm. why you're not setting bottom lines and like, and then the other thing that I I'd focus on is, is emotion regulation skills is like really practicing some of those tools and those skills in order to deal with your emotions. So as you deal with those emotions, as you set up your relapse prevention plan, the sobriety will come into play, but you really have to get yourself to a place where you want that, like fully. You can say that you want that, but to fully say, I want to be done with this. And, um, but other than that, Adam, you're doing awesome. Like, I hope you can see that. The progress that Tyler and I have seen just from the first time that we met you, um, you're absolutely moving forward. And um, so do a lot of the things that you're doing, but you need to tweak just a few things. That's what I see. Yeah. Adam, I, I know we're out of time. And for our listeners here, this has been a great, a great episode just to kind of hear the heart of someone who's actively working recovery. For those listeners who found some value in this, please reach out, share it with other people. If you know other people who are in similar situations, please share it. But but Adam, I just want to end with this and just tell you that I think I speak for Brandon too when I say this, that these kinds of conversations are what make Brandon and I's job the best job in the world. To to be able to talk with someone who's actively engaged in the, the most impressive war that anyone would ever fight, which is the war for their own heart. And to be a witness to that and to see it and to have you put it up front and center is a gift to both Brandon and I. And Adam, I just want you to know that Brandon and I both, we love you. And we're really grateful to know you. So thank you. I appreciate that. Just so you guys know, you're as a bit of a superstar as in my own life. So, but don't get, don't get big heads because of it. (laughs) And then, you know, I mean, the great thing is it, I feel a lot of love for both of you too. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, we've, we've certainly connected differently, uh, you know, and, and met each other, but, um, I mean, you guys are, have been a a super important part of, of who I'm becoming. And I just want to know, I loved you for it. So thank you. Thanks. Feelings are mutual. Adam, um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being vulnerable. Please don't be a stranger. Um, and we'd love to have you back in the future again, check in. Um, if this was helpful for anybody, please um, share it. Uh, you can leave a review and thank Adam over there and uh, talk to you guys later. We'll see you.